Hello, I'm Mercedes. And I'm Tash. And you're listening to episode 53 of Chat Disney. Welcome back to another episode of the Chat Disney podcast. Last week, Tash and I celebrated our one year anniversary of Chat Disney, which was very exciting. But I actually think I might be even more excited about this week's topic. We are going to be revealing our top 10 worst ever live action movies. I absolutely cannot wait for this. And at the end of the episode, we are going to finish with a quick game of what's this. But before we get into all of that, let's have a quick look at what's been happening in the world of Disney this week. Uh, Last Sunday was, of course, International Women's Day. And for those eagle-eyed amongst you may have noticed something slightly different out the front of Disneyland Paris. They did, of course, change the traditional Mickey flower bed into a Minnie Mouse one, um, which I think was a really nice touch um, and a nod for International Women's Day. So well done, Disney. Absolutely. And more parks news. Avengers Campus. We've been hearing a lot about it for quite some time now. And Disney have revealed that it's going to be opening later on this year in Disneyland in California. We've also got a sneak peek into what some of those areas are going to look like. We've got some artist illustrations and concepts and also my favourite glimpse into the menu. Some of those food offerings looks very appetising indeed. I still don't like the name Avengers Campus but there we go. Um, And finally Onward did come out um, just over a week ago now. We will be giving a full review of it in next week's episode so do tune in for that. Um, But first, I think initial reception of the film has been somewhat positive. I mean, figures for opening weekend were quite low. I think that is probably partly to do with the coronavirus. Um, But it made $40 million on its opening weekend, which is comparable to The Good Dinosaur. Uh, For those of you who have listened before, you will know my feelings on that film. Um, But unfortunately, the Middle East have decided to ban the film completely due to there being an LGBTQ character in the film. Um, This is very sad news, I think. I mean, they put that character in as kind of a move forward. And I know you haven't seen it yet, Mercedes, but it's such a small throwaway line. But it's obviously really important for kind of the message overall. Um, But yeah, very, very sad about that one. Absolutely. I I agree with you. I think that's such a shame. Um, And I think I know what the throwaway line is because it's been reported. And also, correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't it true that the gender of the character is female, but it could be open to interpretation as well? I guess so, probably. Yeah. Yeah. So, again, like, I think I did read somewhere, actually, that I think it was Dubai, it was one of these countries that banned the movie, had asked Pixar if they could change the line to partner instead of girlfriend. Uh, But Pixar said no. So there we are. And that is your news for this week. We're now going to head into the main part of the episode, talking all about mine and Tash's worst ever live action Disney movies. So for this list, Tash and I have put together our brains and come up with the 10 worst Disney movies of all time. I will just quickly add that we have only included movies in this list 
that we have seen. So I'm not going to have any of the Herbie movies in there or things like The Monkey's Uncle from like the 60s because <laughs> well, I haven't seen it. So I don't know anything about it. We also haven't included any sort of legacy Fox movies, anything from Marvel or anything from Star Wars. So we're just looking at Walt Disney's live action movies for this list. Yes, we are. So, Mercedes, do you want to kick us off? Absolutely. I will go first. So, in fifth place for me, uh, I have got, so my best, worst live-action Disney movie, if you will, Maleficent. So, I'm talking about the 2014 adaptation of Maleficent starring Angelina Jolie. Now, to give you a little bit of background, I was actually really excited about this film. I thought that the idea of subverting the classic animated Sleeping Beauty from the 50s was a really interesting concept. And when we spoke about Sleeping Beauty during our Silver Era of Disney episode, we spoke about how both Maleficent and Prince Philip actually have more presence in the film and more lines than the title character, Sleeping Beauty. So I thought it kind of made sense to explore her a little bit more. And I have quite a few issues with the film, but I think ultimately it can all be broken down into one simple thing. And that's the fact that Maleficent is the mistress of all evil. And yet we're made to feel sorry for her. We're made to kind of understand and empathise with her. And that just doesn't sit right with me. She is the ultimate kind of drag queen-esque Disney villain that's just evil for evil's sake. And I feel like they really took that and twisted it and tried to make you feel some kind of emotion for her and trying to sort of justify her behaviour. And it's like, no, I'm sorry, she tried to kill a baby and then a 16, she literally did almost kill a 16-year-old girl for no apparent reason, just because she wasn't invited to her christening. Obviously, we get the reason in this movie, but I just know it doesn't sit right with me. I've not actually seen Maleficent. Um, I do agree with you. I remember hearing when they were making it, I was excited about it. Maleficent is one of my favourite Disney villains. Um, But then I remember it coming out, trailers didn't really enthrall me, and the reviews just kind of put me off, and then I've just never, ever got round to it since. Um, but yeah, I think the fear as well is, as you were saying, Maleficent is a great villain in the sense of she is evil for evil's sake. Do you think that the movie Maleficent changes people's opinions of how they see Maleficent now when they go back and watch that original animation? Definitely not. And I actually think that across all of the different kind of sequels and things like that, people do struggle to change their opinion I'm thinking about like in Disney parks as well like when you see Maleficent in a Disney park I don't think of Angelina Jolie interestingly they actually did have a Angelina Jolie-esque version of Maleficent available for meet and greet at Walt Disney World when the movie came out I think it was one of the Halloween horror not Halloween horror the Mickey's not so scary evenings and I believe the queue to meet her was something like four hours It was absolutely insane. It might have even been longer than that. I remember people were queuing until like 2, 3 a.m. to meet this this Maleficent. But yeah, to answer your original question, no, I don't. I think that when we think about things like Frozen 2, people still think of Elsa in her blue dress doing, you know, the Let It Go song. People still think of Anna as this clumsy princess. They don't think of her as a queen. So I think that 
like yeah I, I don't think that people's perception ever changes based on a sequel like do you think of Woody as Andy's toy or do you think of him as some rogue outback cowboy with no pull string because I certainly don't oh definitely not yeah and I think because the films I mean there's a long time apart from the films one is an animation one is a live action you can kind of look at them as they are two completely separate entities almost aren't they so yeah they're not really a connection it kind of reminds me of like I really hope that you have this so Tash and I went to different primary schools so there's a possibility she won't know what I'm talking about there was a book and my mum used to love it. We read it at school and I told my mum about it and she went and bought it for me immediately. And it was like the wolf's side of the story from the three little kids. Yes, I remember that. It had a brown cover and the animation or the illustration was really weird. It was like a newspaper Yes, print. I remember that. And he's all like, now let me tell you what really went down. And like, he's, and he like, he's like, no, I was so hungry. I just had to eat myself a nice juicy pig. Like he makes you kind of, it's really comical. If anyone's got children, I highly recommend you hunt this book down it's really funny but it, I kind of was looking for an angle like that with Maleficent which was like you know and so then I cursed her and I kind of wanted that like nonchalant evil character to come through and it doesn't and then there's some sort of weird love triangle between her and the queen and King Stefan and nobody needs that yeah it will be interesting to see thinking about villains how what they do with the Cruella film which is coming out is it later this year or early next year um, it will be interesting to see how they kind of play out that and if they do a similar sort of thing where they obviously give you her backstory. Yeah. But is it going to, you know, for the sake of trying to make you feel sorry for her and see things from her side? I don't know. Definitely. I also would like to just add that I haven't seen Maleficent 2. So everything I just said is simply based on that first movie from 2014. It's number five on my list. There we go. <laughs> Tash, what have you got on yours? So number five on my list, I have got The Jungle Book. And I'm talking about John Favreau, finally say his name, uh, his version, which was released in 2016. I remember when they first started airing the trailers for this film, and I was very, very excited about it because they made it look so sinister and so dark. I remember the whole trailer was... Um, there was no no talking or in it, in it or anything, but they, or they, all they had was the song sang by Carr, who was voiced by Scarlett Johansson, and there was just such a creepy, sinister feel to it that I loved, and I was like, yes, this is going to be an excellent movie. Did not think at all about the fact that these animals were going to start talking in CGI form. So when I went to see it at the cinema and that happened, um, I mean, I wasn't surprised. I was like, oh, of course that's going to happen, but it just completely took away from how I thought they were going to interpret the film. Um, and again, I mean, we've banged on about that other film that I won't mention the name of yet, but it's got CGI animals in it. Um, and I just have such an issue with CGI talking animals. I think it looks very, very cheap. Um, I don't like it. I would rather the animals' mouths hadn't moved. Um there's a great cast in it. As I said, Scarlett Johansson. We've got Bill Murray, Ben Kingsley, Idris Elba, Christopher Walken. I'm the king of the shrimp. As I was just getting to. Um, but some not great portrayals of these famous iconic characters um, as Mercedes very, very <laughs> wittily just uh, pointed out Christopher Walken's interpretation of King Louis. Uh, I think the less said about this performance, the better. I think I could kind of get on board with it if it wasn't for that diabolical song. Now, I love 
King of the Swingers, it's not even called that, I Want to Be Like You, whatever that song's called. I love that song. He absolutely massacres that song, and I don't like it anymore. Um, so, yeah, they're, they're kind of my thoughts on, on The Jungle Book, and that is why it's number five on my list. Yeah, I think they're all really good points. It's weird, because I don't really like the 1967 animation, the Walt Disney classic, Jungle Book. But this I didn't mind as much as I thought I would, which is quite interesting because I I went to see it and because I don't like the Jungle Book and I don't really like these reimagined live action movies, I thought I was going to hate it and I kind of didn't hate it as much as I thought. It's definitely not a favourite movie of mine. I'd probably give it like 7 out of 10 or 6 out of 10. But I do have to just say, with regards to... I mean, I think Christopher Walken's performance is atrocious like that's absolutely fact but i do have a question why and you won't know this because it's just nonsensical why is he so big (laughs) i don't know i don't know yeah he's i guess like a giant gorilla no not gorilla whatever orangutan orangutan. um but why i don't i can't answer that i don't know because he takes up that whole like ruin yeah it's weird it is weird. Maybe it's actually in the original Roger Kipling novel. Well, I guess they've made... Am I right? Car is really big in it as well. Yeah, yeah. Car's much bigger than... But then snakes can be very big. Orangutans... massive. Not as big as no, him, though, maybe right? Not. He's like the size of a building. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I've actually never thought about it before. I do like that they did make Car into a female, like this femme fatale... That's probably the only thing I like about that film. Yeah, I thought that was quite a clever... And I think a lot of people find Carr's voice quite grating. And I think having someone as sensual as Scarlett Johansson voice that character was a fantastic decision. Yeah, I'm kind of like, meh, I'm ambivalent about this film. Hmm, interesting. Well, it's number five on my list. So, Mercedes, what have you got for number four? So, in fourth place... I've got the 1997 movie Flubber. <laughs> What's wrong with Flubber? So I don't know if like it's to do with kind of the circumstances in which I first watched Flubber, but I remember my mum had to go to Glasgow for like a work conference and my dad was looking after me and that just never happened. It was a very abstract, weird thing that never, ever happened that my mum wasn't there and my dad was taking care of me and I remember I can't remember actually if this is the same time or if this was another time when my mum was ill and couldn't make dinner all these different to do with the prawns no not prawns I don't know anything about some prawns maybe I'm getting the wrong end of the story potatoes no prawns yeah didn't you get really bad food poisoning with prawns from your dad's cooking no, no, my dad... Maybe that was someone else. That wasn't me. My dad would never experiment with prawns. He's a very basic Oh, that must have been someone dad. else. I thought it was you. No, no. My dad's a cheese on toast kind of man. <laughs> um, but he thought he'd go, you know, full cordon bleu. And instead, we had boiled potatoes out of a tin. <laughs> oh, that's even worse than uh, food poisoning prawns. Did you even know that you could buy boiled potatoes no, in a tin? No, I did not right well now you know and so yeah I don't know if that's actually the same time but it's all just a blur of the times when my dad had full responsibility of me and my mum was not around so 
anyway my dad was like let's take you to the cinema and we went to see flubber and it was so boring and i remember ringing my mum after she's like did you like the film and being like no i hated it and then i remember actually my mum listens to this every week she's gonna be like you ungrateful little so-and-so but she bought me this china doll from glasgow and it was scottish and it had a tartan dress this has got nothing to do with flubber i've got on a massive tangent and it had red hair and i loved this doll so much and i remember like going into school and like boasting about it and all the kids being like china dolls are really scary like because of chucky and all this stuff and i'd never heard this before and i remember i threw it in the bin because i like everyone at school told me it was scary and I loved it and and that makes me really upset now I loved this china doll and it was probably really expensive that is really sad I know but anyway back to flubber (laughs) so yeah I don't know if the circumstances of which I watched it have like clouded my judgment but I'll just hate it flubber itself is really irritating like Robin Williams is trying to do his best to sort of like look after it I hate that computer thing the female assistant i can't remember its name i don't remember or something yeah i don't remember very much about this movie and then it like dies doesn't it well it becomes human first she becomes because there's a weird love story where she's in love with him and then she makes herself into female form and then she yeah gets killed i think it's really sad when she gets killed i remember being sad at that moment and i think i i mean this movie came out in 1997 so i was six years old when i saw it and it was probably one of the first times i actually really remember feeling sad by a movie and i think i didn't like that i really remember just thinking oh no i don't like this feeling of feeling sad at this movie it's not nice and yeah, Flubber is obviously an adaptation of the earlier Walt Disney live-action movie, The Mad Professor. So it was adapted, and obviously they made it more contemporary for a 90s audience. I just don't like it. There's, like, a lot of, like, fart humour and stuff as well. Like, there's a bit... Isn't there a bit where, like, someone farts Flubber out? Or, like, some yeah, trousers... It's just not my cup of tea. I love Robin Williams, and I'm really sorry that he has to appear on this list but i just really can't abhor that film i feel like jumanji was really successful and then disney were like oh come on we can do something similar and no you can't disney it's really shocking i really don't like that film i uh, do you know what i i really liked that film when i was younger I haven't seen it probably in about 20 years probably more um that's not possible when did it come out 1997 sorry yeah, that was over 20 years ago. Stop it. Yeah. No. Yeah. 2007, what? 2017. It was 23 <gasps> years ago. Oh my God, I was thinking 2027. No. Stop so it. it's possible. So I probably haven't seen it in over 20 years. We're so old. I know. Anyway, we digress again. <laughs> um, so yeah, I really liked it at the time, but it's one of those films... I don't know, the thought of it makes me feel a bit nostalgic and I would like to see it again because I, I there's bits of it I remember. I think I remember watching it a lot. I definitely had it on VHS, but I would like to see it again because I think you're right. I think there's a lot of stuff in it now that I wouldn't find funny, like <laughs> the flubber coming out of his trousers and stuff. <laughs> what did you find funny about it? Oh, I don't know. I can't remember specifics. <laughs> I probably didn't really find it funny. I just liked the story. I just liked Flubber and I liked the computer. I wanted to bite Flubber. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. 
<laughs> I like the. I'm thinking about the computer. There was another. There was a baby computer as well. Oh, I don't remember. Or maybe he made a baby one at the end. Maybe it wasn't a baby. I don't know. Didn't it get like reincarnated at the end? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Kind maybe. of big hero. Six all I, style. yeah, all I really remember is the bit when she turns herself into an actual female. And goes to try and seduce him. And isn't there like a flying car? Yes, they even make the car fly with flubber. Mm. And there's the bit with the, when they put a flubber on the shoes in the basketball ring. I don't remember that. I think there might be a basketball game and they do it to cheer. Yeah, don't they? Am I thinking of something else? Am I thinking Space of Space Jam? Jam? <laughs> completely different film, completely different company. Um, but yeah, I'm thinking of the bit. No, I swear there's something to do. He works for a basketball team or is a coach for a basketball team as well as being a scientist and puts flubber on their shoes so they can jump up to the ring. I'm going to have to watch it now. Maybe. Yeah, possibly. I don't remember anyway. that. But yeah, so that anyway, yeah, in fourth spot, I have got flubber. There we go. Tash, what have you got? So in number four, and Mercedes, I apologise in advance because I know you're going to be very disappointed with me on this one. I have got High School Musical 3. <laughs> Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay, I have many things to say about this, but I will hold them and let you have your okay. say. So High School Musical 3, senior year. It was the only uh, High School Musical that was released in the cinema. Mercedes, I remember you and I going to see it. I think, did we take your sister maybe? Well, I definitely went I went with um, a friend who I'm no longer friends with and Lucy Burgess, who I am still friends with. Three of us went together and I definitely saw it with my mum and maybe my sister, maybe you. I think I saw it like four times at the cinema. Okay, so you probably very definitely disagree with me on this one. Um, for me, I mean, I know there's an argument about all of the high school musical series and, you know, the level of acting is, is not great. Um, but I think the first one is... I remember the first one coming out and being on the Disney Channel and I remember it was the talk of school and everyone was so excited and then I remember when the second one came out as well, it was the same thing. Um, And I just feel like by the time they got to three, it had been done to death. I don't think the songs are great in that film. The storyline is not original at all. I mean, they're in their senior year. They've got to decide what they do. Obviously, Troy and Gabriella break up and then they get back together at the end. Blah, blah, blah. Been done a million times. Um, obviously, you know, the acting, the less said, the better. Not including Zac Efron, of course. Um, so, yeah, that is why, ultimately, it is on my list. You're looking at me with a shaked head. <laughs> I'm actually disgusted. <laughs> so, okay. First of all... This is a Disney Channel original movie. I know, I know. Had I known we were including those, I would have had like Teen Beach movie, Camp Rock, many others in my list. But we'll we'll push that one to the maybe side. that's a whole other episode. Oh yeah, maybe. Mm. maybe well, yeah. Okay, I could not disagree with you more. If you had had the first High School Musical, I would have been like, fair enough. If you'd had the second one, I would have been like, yeah, I understand. The third one is. Argue, like there's not even arguably it is the best one by absolute miles it was the first one at the cinema has the biggest budget Zac Efron actually sings in this one he couldn't sing true, in the others true. it has the best songs the boys is back um scream where he's like you know being all dancey and he's got basketballs and he's all angry and aggressive and you get like literally three solid minutes of Zac Efron amazing 
I would agree with you about the storyline, but I think the storyline of all of those movies, all of the movies is poor. I don't like the new characters that they introduce in this one, like Rocket Man and Sharpay's weird English assistant that's definitely American putting on the worst English accent ever. And they kind of set those three up to like take on the series. And then obviously everyone just wants Zac Efron. So that never works out. But honestly, I couldn't disagree with you more I actually would say it's my favorite Disney Channel original movie like maybe joint with the Lizzie McGuire movie but I actually am so horrified that you've put this in your list oh nice you're gonna have to agree to to disagree see I like the first one I like the first one because I feel like it's so bad it's good and I feel like with the third one they're trying too hard but it's still not a good movie Oh, yeah we'll have to wrap this one up this is a whole mad chatter episode I think <laughs> I I think like I've watched the first one back recently and it's I, it is a case of I don't even think it's so bad it's good it's very nostalgic but it is bad obviously they got more money for the second one so it's like mm, but it's just a bit weird because they're not at school and it's high school and it's just weird and then but the third one I feel like it's what they wanted the first one to be. It's like, now we've got a fan base. Now we've got budget. Let's really show you what you can do. And I do think that it's the best example of why people loved those films. So we'll go our separate ways. It would be boring if we agreed on everything. It would. Okay, cool. So number three, Mercedes, what do you have? So number three, I have got Alice in Wonderland, the 2010 Tim Burton movie. I loved Tim Burton in 2010. Young Mercedes, how old was I? I can't remember. 20. 20, no, 19. Mm. 19, I was 19 years old. And I loved Tim Burton, huge, huge Tim Burton fan, loved The Nightmare Before Christmas, massive fan. This movie made me hate Tim Burton. I'm literally not exaggerating. This was the movie that made me like, no, I've had enough now. Because I was really interested to see what a Tim Burton take on a classic Disney animation would look like. And I didn't need to see it. I was really excited by the star-studded cast as well. Obviously, Johnny Depp back in 2010 was right at the peak of his career. And I actually couldn't think of a better role than the Mad Hatter for him. And I do think that he portrays it in an interesting, engaging way, his own way. But... I just don't like the film. It's too dark. I don't like the aesthetic. The Cheshire Cat really freaks me out. Isn't it Stephen Fry? It is Stephen Fry. And I think I like... I loved the fact that there's like this all... Well, it's not all British because Johnny Depp and the girl that plays Alice as well, but mostly British class cast. You've got Barbara Windsor in there. You've got Matt Lucas. And like, I like the fact as well that it was very much based on the original Lewis Carroll stories. You've got like the Jabberwocky referenced from the poem... I loved the idea of it. It's an on-paper film. Like, on paper, it sounds great. In reality, meh. Yeah, I completely agree with you on that one. I really don't like that film either, pretty much for all the reasons that you've just said. I think, you know, if you want... That film is quite an interesting, weird, potentially dark film anyway, and I think who better to take it on than Tim Burton, but... I just don't like what he did with it either. It's it's more the visual, the visually aesthetic. It's more the aesthetic that I don't like of it. I mean, I don't think that they adapted the storyline in any interesting or unique way, really. Um, and I, I mean, I guess Johnny Depp really did put his own spin on the character of Mad Hatter, but I don't like what he did with it. I find it too creepy and oh, 
yeah, I don't like it. It's very intense. It's not for me. When he does that Scottish accent. Yeah, I mean, Tim Burton's a bit of a funny one for me anyway. I mean, I do like Tim Burton a lot. And I'm uh, Tim Burton is someone I'm fascinated with more than I actually like his stuff. I always think I like his stuff. And then I look back and I'm like, oh, do I really? But he's someone that really interests me and intrigues me and fascinates me. But when it comes to the crunch, I'm not always a big fan of his work. Yeah. There's the things I always... Yeah, I always go harping on about how much I love The Nightmare Before Christmas, and I do. But then I'm like, well, what do I actually not... Like, What that's one film. What else do I actually like? Yeah. I don't like The Corpse Bride. You and I actually left the cinema when we went to see that. Within five minutes. Yeah. Mm. I don't like that. I don't like Frank and Weenie. No. Coraline, that is one of the scariest films I've ever seen. Is that... I didn't know that was Tim Burton. It was terrifying. Ooh. The buttons on the eyes. Yeah. No. It was horrible. No, not a fan. Dumbo. Yeah. I haven't seen Dumbo still. Yeah. I had it on... Well, I kind of paid attention, but not for me. Surprisingly, that's not on my list, but it's another one I've just thought of that could well have been on there. But anyway... Yeah, cool. All right. So, Tash, what have you got in third place? So, in third place, I have got Tron Legacy. So, this is the 2010 film, which was the sequel to the original Tron film, which was released in the 80s, 1982, to be precise. Um, Still stars Jeff Bridges, who is a great actor in his own right. Um, This story follows his son, or who goes looking for his dad in the game and basically gets stuck in the world that he kind of designed. Again, this is one of those films that when they announced it was coming out, at the time I didn't really know too much about Tron. My relationship with Tron kind of started when I was in Shanghai Disney and obviously with the Tron ride there. Um, But I do remember being very intrigued by the fact that they had the Daft Punk soundtrack Um, which I still think is good. I think that's one of the best things going for that film. And I think visually it's very pleasing. It looks great. The world that they create is good. But I think overall the story is just, it's very weak. Um, I don't think it's very original. I don't think it's, I mean, to be honest, I actually haven't seen the first one, so I can't say. But from what I've read, the first one is half decent. The second one is not, in my opinion. Um, For me... When I think of Tron, I do think of that Shanghai ride. Obviously, it is coming to Walt Disney World soon. So for those of you who are lucky enough to go to Walt Disney, you will get to ride it very soon there. Um, And for me, it just kind of, I don't know, the two, I couldn't merge the two together. My love for the ride and, and the film. I just found the film very flat. It didn't entice me in any way. I'm not really into action films anyway. And this one I just found a bit dull. You're being too harsh on yourself. I love action movies and I didn't like this film. It's another one where I watched it and it was kind of on in the background and I was just completely disinterested. I actually watched it when I was coming to China as well for the same reason because I knew I was going on the brand new Tron attraction. I kind of loosely loosely knew what Tron was. I knew it was an 80s video game and obviously that light cycle is very, very well known. It's very iconic whether you've seen Tron or not. It does make appearances and cameos and kind of other movies and things like that. It's very it's like a pop culture kind of icon isn't it those two lights on the bikes and everything and the the vertical grid but I yeah I I I just thought it was really dull and 
boring and I've just thought of another movie as well that came out around the same sort of time that I could have put The Sorcerer's Apprentice oh yeah that was really bad but all of those kind of movies like I haven't I also haven't seen the original but I believe the narratives are like the same and again like I've already mentioned Jumanji once today it's not Disney I don't know why it keeps cropping up but like oh stuck in a game where have I heard that before like it's not original and um yeah I agree with you yeah cool less said about that the better (laughs) so moving on to our top two Mercedes what have you got so in second place and I actually can't wait to talk about this movie I hope that you don't like it if you like it then I'm in trouble I've got the haunted mansion oh no that's that's a good one to have on the list I don't like that film. So for those of you that aren't familiar with The Haunted Mansion, it came out in 2003. So after the huge success that was Pirates of the Caribbean, taking the narrative of a Disney classic, a beloved Disney classic attraction, turning it into a movie, commercial success, blockbuster, smash, let's do it again. Why not? Where could we go wrong? Where could you go wrong? First of all, this movie is a comedy. There's nothing funny about The Haunted Mansion. I agree. I agree. Why is it a comedy? I don't know. Second point. Eddie Murphy is the starring actor. Mm. Why on earth would you put Eddie Murphy in the lead role for The Haunted Mansion? Why? Why? I don't understand. A comedian in that role is just wrong. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think, thinking about the comedy element, the Haunted Mansion. The Haunted Mansion is a scary concept. It is ultimately a ghost story. So how to attract half your audience who you're going to lose i.e children make it a comedy put a bit of life light relief in there yeah but what they what they've done and i think ultimately like i think that is where they went wrong was making it a comedy absolutely i agree with you i know that like what you say about oh you know if it's a bit scary take a risk disney you're disney all right you have one flop like does it matter it was a flop anyway like the reason i think pirates of the caribbean has done so well is that yes it's based on a disney movie but it was a 12 when it came out so it wasn't aimed at children even though children love the attraction and what it did was it dramatized that attraction the attraction's actually very light-hearted they could have easily made pirates of the caribbean a comedy very easily a couple of stupid drunken pirates walking around tortuga pillaging and whatever they could have easily done that but they didn't they turned it into a very serious action adventure and that is where the haunted mansion went wrong the others starring nicole kidman is a 12 the sixth sense i think is a 12 or a 15 they could have gone for that kind of vibe it doesn't need to be you know it wasn't it doesn't need to be gruesome or gory it could have been a psychological twisty scary you know family go to a house settle in they could have had you know your american all-american contemporary family that go and live in this house they didn't have to make it you know super period like they did with Pirates of the caribbean the cynical side of me feels like they were just trying to be inclusive of diversity and that's maybe why they had eddie murphy and they had a african-american family who knows but it definitely feels like at that point haunted mansion was 2003 we had princess and the frog a couple of years later it does feel like they were trying to be inclusive which i think is a fantastic thing but there are so many other actors that would have been better in that role. I really think that Eddie Murphy was a crying shame. I, the only, I really dislike Eddie Murphy, actually. The only role I like him in is Donkey in Shrek. I, I don't find him funny at all. No, I don't really. I'm trying to think of 
other movies that he's been in and I can't Mushu um, oh yeah I love Mushu well he's great at animated characters there you go yeah that's the way he should stick to um, but yeah I, I completely agree with everything that, that you've said there in regards to the Haunted Match and I think it's such a shame it would have been so interesting to see what they could have done with that film if they had have kind of kept it as you know a, even like a child's thriller is that a thing I don't know but yeah if they had of got rid of the comedy element or never put it in there in the first place I would have also been interested to see if they had made a film about Melanie Ravenswood if they had stuck to the classic Haunted Mansion story or Phantom Manor story that we know I would have been interested to see had they kept it sort of true to that or gone that way yeah I agree with you and I think you know there's a ready-made narrative with Phantom Manor they could have definitely pulled that I get that it was based on Haunted Mansion and you know the things are even more separate nowadays but yeah there there were kind of elements from Phantom Manor in there because the story which can I just say unsurprisingly I think is really weak is that Master Gracie is living in the house and he thinks that Eddie Murphy's wife is his like beloved bride from wherever I can't remember what her name is now um again I had a massive issue with that and this is like you know maybe controversial but master gracie is white and eddie murphy's wife in the movie is black and the master has been dead for several hundred years i believe i can't remember the exact amount of time and he has this portrait of his love who looks just like eddie murphy's wife and she is also black and it's based in the u.s and we know unfortunately with the history of the u.s that Master Gracie, the lord or, you know, um, the the head honcho of his house would not have been allowed to marry a black woman and she wouldn't have been a lady. That just wouldn't have happened back then. So it's also historically inaccurate. And I feel like in the same way that people don't like Song of the South because it kind of makes light of slavery in, in the US and, you know, all the slaves are happy. It's kind of like, well, I don't know it's kind of just it's just fiction and and, and that annoys me I guess I I don't know what I'm trying to say I'm digging myself a hole no I I know I know exactly what you're trying to say and I completely agree with you I think you do need to be inclusive and you do need to be be diverse but changing history to try and reflect that is never gonna work because it's not that's not accurate at all yeah and actually, it's insulting, I think. Yeah, it is. I agree. Um, but yeah, so that that's just a small kind of caveat to it. Another reason why I don't like it. I think it's a, a very problematic movie for a multitude of different reasons. I don't think Eddie Murphy was the right actor to lead this film. I don't think it should have been a comedy. I think it should have been dark. I think it should have had twists and turns. I think it should have been a proper haunted house ghost style movie the others but with disney characters yeah there we go we'll leave it at that yes let's (laughs) so moving on to your second spot tash what have you got for us so in number two i have got the muppets most wanted what a disappointment this film was (laughs) so i actually i actually quite like muppets i love muppets christmas carol it is probably my favorite christmas film Muppets Treasure Island is fine. I really like the Muppets movie that they released in 2011. Um, I like the songs in that and I like the story. I Amy Adams is in it. What's his face? Um, Jason. Jason Segal, is that his name? Yep, him. I, I think there's a lot of comedy in that film. A lot of jokes, a lot of adult jokes. Great, I like that film. So I had high hopes for the Muppets Most Wanted. Um, this was released three years later in 2014. 
and it's just awful the plot is not great it's full of cliches and the jokes fall flat the songs are awful they're i mean i couldn't even sing you one now they're not catchy but i remember thinking that at the time that they were dreadful um ricky gervais is in it Normally, I love Ricky Gervais. I think Ricky Gervais is such a clever, talented writer, and it is a crying shame that he didn't get to assert more of his writing talents into that film, because if he'd have added more of his flair, I think you'd be looking at a completely different film. There's a lot of cameos in it, which kind of feel like they just put them in for the sake of having cameos to entice more people to go and see it. Um, there's not much else I can say about it, really. I think it was a massive flop, and... Funnily enough, we haven't really seen much of the Muppets since, and I wonder if there's a reason for that. So, just refresh my memory, Tash, because you're much more well-versed in the land of Muppets mm-hmm. than I. Is this the one with that weird Russian Constantine who looks like Kermit but has a mole? Yes, it is. So, he breaks out of prison, um, and they go on a European tour with the other guy, I forget his name, the other character, who's also the villain in it. Um, to make some money and then this weird Constantine breaks out of prison and has some plot I think to steal the crown jewels or something it's a very weak storyline um and I don't know why they felt the need to add Kermit 2.0 and I think the only reason people think of that now is because you get all those memes with Kermit and then Constantine um but yeah, I think that's the only thing that came out of that movie as far as I'm concerned. I didn't know that that meme was from that film. Ah, there we go. Now I know. I Yeah, I think... I don't think I've seen this, actually, but I feel like I know quite a lot about it. I think I remember, again, Disney Parks, but they had a meet and greet with Constantine and there was like a six-hour queue. Oof. Yeah, well, because you're actually meeting a Muppet. Yeah, that's true. But like, then make it Kermit. Yeah, well, they wouldn't be able to. It'd have a... 48 hour queue no one would leave very true yeah yeah so that's why it's in my list um and i do because obviously there was talk of them bringing the muppets back for disney plus and then i think that kind of got sidetracked and i don't really know what's happening with that now um and i i do like i do think that they should do something more with the muppets but maybe that is going back to sort of how it was in its heyday and having shorts and you know making it a series i don't know but yeah We'll leave it at that. We'll leave it at that. So, Mercedes, what is your worst live-action Disney movie? So, I think our listeners might be a little bit surprised, actually, about what I've got in the top spot, as it doesn't feature a certain furry character. But don't worry, not to be missed. Stay tuned. It's coming. As my worst ever Disney movie, and again, I'm very excited to talk about this, I have got the 1985 classic if you can call it that the return to oz oh i've actually never seen the return to oz you know oh my god it is horrifying absolutely terrifying 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 oh my god there aren't words for how scary it is it was trending on twitter the other day actually and i thought why is the return to oz tri-? clicked on it somebody had done like a viral post like the film that haunted you as a kid i was like yes now i understand why that awful thing is trending it is kind of reminiscent of labyrinth but without any of david bowie's charm or any of those jim henson lovable characters it's devoid of feeling it's devoid of passion and light-hearted humor and just everywhere that labyrinth is clever and funny and whimsical this is scary and stark and 
terrifying is the only word. So we start our journey with Dorothy. I also just want to add before I explain this, I haven't seen this movie for maybe, I don't know, 20 years, seeing as that was only in the, not, when was that? Not, 2000 was 20 years. Yeah. Oh, probably longer then. Yeah, I haven't seen it for a long time, but I can remember this movie perfectly because it was another one of these movies where I would watch it to like scare myself. I yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> I don't know why I used to do that. Like yeah, this and Labyrinth and the occasional episode of Courage the Cowardly Dog. But yeah, so this used to be on Disney Channel a lot actually, which is how I've seen it so many times. But yeah, we start with Dorothy, Dorothy Gale, the same Dorothy Gale um, that was depicted by Judy Judy Garland in the original, and she is in a mental asylum. Oh, so she's literally in a mental asylum. Honestly, it's actually making the hairs on the back of my neck stand up. So she's there and the nurse comes in. The nurse is very aggressive. You get to learn very, very quickly that the treatment and the conditions at this mental asylum are not pleasant. I assume she's in the mental asylum because she's like, oh, I went to Oz and there was a scarecrow and you were there. And I don't know. So anyway, she escapes and she like falls down this cliffside and like gets swept up in. Honestly, it's horrible, the suit. And then she arrives in Oz, but it's a very desolate, stark version of Oz. And as soon as she gets there, like she starts to feel very uncomfortable and she knows that something isn't quite right with the land of Oz. And what actually, I'm sorry, I'm going, I'm flitting in all different sorts of directions, but I don't think it is like straightly off, like straight after the original movie, The Wizard of Oz. It's not a musical or anything like that. It doesn't feel like a continuation of that film. I think maybe there is a um, version by Frank Baum of, because there's loads of different Oz books, right? I think maybe one of them is just called Return of Oz and Disney just decided, oh, let's pick that one because there's kind of this backstory, but I don't know any of that backstory, if you kind of understand what I mean. So she gets there and she meets this kind of clunky robot character and they kind of hit it off. I think he's like broken and she gets him going. And then there's these creatures called the Wheelers. I will show you a picture of the Wheelers after we finish recording and you will understand in that simple image why this film is so terrifying. They have like roller skate hands and legs and they wheel around and they've got these masks over the front of their head and over the back with this wiry hair and they like move really like spider-like around and they steal things and they've like, I don't know, trash dolls and loads of stuff happens. She's trying to find the scarecrow because he's like the king, like... I think maybe I don't know she meets this pumpkin head character that looks like Jack Skellington at the beginning of Nightmare I think I know what you mean yeah yeah she meets him she's looking for like the Tin Man the Lion and all those characters but she can't find them and then she ends up in the lair of Queen Mumby who is a very beautiful woman really glamorous and she's very nice to Dorothy at first And then Dorothy starts wandering around her, like, castle. And this honestly freaks me out. And I'm sorry if I bring back any trauma for any listeners that freaked out about this as a kid. She walks into this room and it's literally just full of women's heads. And she goes in and takes her beautiful face off and then puts this terrifying head on her body. This, like, scary, eccentric queen. And she starts screaming at Dorothy. And all these heads are, like, 
talking and it's absolutely petrifying. It sounds horrible. It is horrible. Oh my God, no wonder I've never seen it. And for that reason... The Return to Oz is my worst Disney film. Okay, I feel like I need to watch it now. I feel like, I mean, I was quite a wimp growing up, so I feel like there's a very good reason my mum probably never suggested me <laughs> watching it. Um, but yeah, now I kind of want to see it. You say you're a wimp, but I feel like I got my first taste into the horror genre from sleepovers at your house. Yeah, I was a, I was a wimp. I mean, I was terrified of E.T. growing up. I was a wimp until I was about... 10, 11, and then I got very into horror. And yeah. now I don't like horror again. You don't like it again? I like some things. Like, I'm fine with a slasher. I'm fine with a murder. I, I can't do ghosts and the paranormal. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. They're my favourites. Oh, no, I can't do them. But, yeah, definitely, like, this is just a creepy... Like, watching it now as, like, a 20-something-year-old woman, you're not going to freak out. But just imagine that tiny little Mercedes, like, oh, what Disney films on Disney Channel tonight? Oh, oh, give this a watch. I love The Wizard of Oz. Who plays Dorothy? A small American child. I have no idea. Maybe maybe she is famous. I wouldn't be surprised, actually, because it's quite a large role. Yeah. Probably is a really famous actress, and I've just turned a complete blind eye to that. I have no idea. I, as far as I'm aware, I don't think any of the actors in that movie are especially famous. So, okay. yeah, there we are. Um, Tash, the one we've all been waiting for, I think all of our listeners at home can predict what we um, have got in our top spot. So why don't you uh, reveal it for everybody? So for the of you who have already guessed no prizes for guessing i have of course got 2019's the lion king what a travesty that film was i mean i don't need to go into too much detail you all know how mercedes and i feel about that film if you do want to hear in great detail please do go way back to last year when it came out and listen to our lion king review where we pick that film apart to absolute shreds um but just to kind of give a brief overview of why we hate that film to anyone who hasn't heard us harp on about it before um it's an exact carbon copy of the animation for me if you're going to do a live action remake that is a perfect opportunity to take a classic story that we all know and love pay your respectful nods to the version that we love um, but it's your chance to kind of take some bits of the story and modernise them or or turn them around, i.e. with Beauty and the Beast. I like that we got to see the whole backstory with Belle's mum, with Aladdin, obviously. They did some great stuff with Jasmine, um, you know, sort of making her more equal as a woman. But with The Lion King, they miss all of those opportunities and they do nothing. I would have been quite interested to see a bit of a backstory about Scar and how he became the evil brother. But there, you know, they completely missed out that. Um, so the story has not expanded. There's a huge lack of an imagination. It goes back to what I was saying about the Jungle Book with the CGI animals. I'm sorry, you can put as much money as you want into CGI, but as soon as those animals start talking, I just think it looks so, so cheap. Um, it would be better, again, if the mouse didn't move and you just kind of heard the voices like they did in like classic films like Homeward Bound. Those dogs and those cats communicate with each other, but their mouths don't move once, and it looks so, so much better because it's not CGI. And I know you couldn't really film lions and warthogs and whatever other animals together, so that's fine use your cgi for that but just don't make them talk in that way there's a huge lack of emotion all those animals that dead behind the eyes i'm sorry but they do yeah 
Yeah, I, I completely agree with everything you said. As Tash said, we really urge and encourage you to listen back to our full review where we absolutely tear it apart. If I had to summarise my issues in three quick points, number one, as Tash said, it's not just a reimagining of the original. It's actually shot for shot, some of it. It's laughable. We're in the cinema in hysterics because we were like, oh, it's coming, it's coming. That opening scene, Circle of Life, is shot for shot the same. Secondly, as you said, with the animation of the characters' mouths moving, they're not anatomically correct and then that starts to throw up all kinds of issues it, it suddenly turns these you know these huge budgets of cgi landscapes and animals into absolute car crash tv massive problem with that lack of emotion as you said that comes off the back of that i think my third and final point is just it's it's not anything new the storyline is my third and final point because i've seen it i saw it in 1992 it's 2019 wake up disney we want something new could not agree with you more for having that in your top spot it's probably in mine as well secretly yeah i knew it would be yeah but yeah if you're going to do a live action remake obviously they're being done to death at the moment and i'm always going to go and see them and i do think there are some really great ones but do take it as an opportunity to modernize that film reinvent that film a little bit give us something a little bit different and John Favreau just completely missed the mark with this one. I agree. Very quickly, before we head into our final part of the episode, what's this? Very quickly, in a nice, concise sentence, if you had to say something good about The Lion King, <laughs> what would it be? Um, Seth Rogen as Pumba is all right. <laughs> Nice. What would you say? I would say I liked when they subverted the line from Hakuna Matata from the original. Um, there's a line, again, I think it's a Seth Rogen line, and that was amusing. Yeah, I agree with that. that I think that was the only time I had a giggle in the cinema. I agree. Cool, right. So we're now going to move on to the final part of today's episode. What's this? What is this? who are new to the podcast um, or just those regular listeners uh, we haven't played what's this in a while so just to refresh your memories Mercedes is going to think of something to do with Disney it could be a character it could be a film it could be a food item for one of the parks it could be anything um, and I basically have one minute to ask as many questions as I can to try and work out what this is what is this so, um, Mercedes, are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. I've got the timer ready. Okay, perfect. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay, three, two, one, go. Um, are you in a film? No. Are you... Yes, yes, I am, sorry. Oh, so you're maybe not in a film. Are you in a live action film? Yes. You are in a live action film. Are you... Have we spoken about you today? No. Have we spoken about your film today? Yes. Are you an animal? No. Are you in High School Musical? No. Are you in Alice in Wonderland? No. Are you in Tron? No. Are you in Jungle Book? No. Are you in, what else was on our list? Haunted Mansion? Yes. Oh, are you Melanie Ravenswood? No. Damn it. Are you Eddie Murphy? No. Are you one of the hitchhikers? No. Are you, are you in that film or are you more just in the ride? Both. Both. Are you the oh what's her name the the head? Oh time, ah, time time I can't think of her name. 
I am. Um, I am the head. Oh my god, what is her name? Madame Leota. Yeah. Madame Leota. Madame Leota, who was actually named after a Walt Disney Imagineer, female Imagineer. Oh, I didn't know that. Leota, and at Christmas, if you go, she's been updated, and her face is actually done with that same Imagineer's daughter, who is now an Imagineer. Really? Yes. That's very cool. Did not know that. There you go. There's a secret bit of information from the Imagineering series available on Disney Plus from March 24th. You're welcome. Finally. Can't wait for that. So that pretty much wraps up this week's episode of the Chat Disney Podcast. It was very exciting to delve into our worst animation classics if you can call them that and next week we're very excited because we're going to be looking at our top 10 saddest ever disney moments from a disney film you're not going to want to miss this one no grab your tissues because you might well need them absolutely if you want to get in touch with us between now and then remember you can always send us a tweet at chat disney uk or Instagram at Chat Disney. If you would like to have your special shout out featured on the episode for one of our upcoming episodes, you can also send us an email with the file attached to chatdisneyuk at gmail.com. We look forward to speaking to you next time. We will see you then. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Goodbye now. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thank you. Goodbye.